Hi, my name is Rachel Peru. I'm 48 years old, grey-haired, curved model, and I'm going to be your host for Out of the Bubble podcast. I started a new career age 46 modelling, and over on social media, I found so many amazing, aspiring women over 40 who are really embracing their midlife and helping to break down the stereotypical middle-aged barriers. So I thought it would be fun to share them with you. Welcome to this week's podcast, and um, we're here with author Imogen Clark. Imogen's first novel, Postcards from a Stranger, reached the top of the Amazon Kindle charts this year in both the UK and Australia. Um, and we also happen to have grown up in the same town, so I can't wait to hear how Imogen finds breaking out of the bubble too. So thank you very much for joining me today. Okay. How do you describe yourself to people? Are you comfortable saying now that you are a full-time author? Oh, that's a difficult one to start with. No, I've really struggled with that. I've found it really, really difficult. Um, I think particularly because I started um, self-publishing and I felt I hadn't got any um, anybody behind me saying that my book was good. And so it was only really when I got picked up by a, a publisher and I could sort of say, well, they must think it's all right as well because they picked it up, mm. um, that that made me think, okay, deep breath. And now I'm better um, and I've had... Uh, my second book has been in the bestsellers this week too and I should really be much braver and I'm practicing and I'm working hard on it but I don't always say yeah. it depends on the situation as to as to whether I, I fess up to being a writer it's or that not imposter syndrome isn't it I'm the same absolutely I feel, sometimes I feel really uncomfortable saying oh, actually I'm, I'm, I'm a model yeah and then I run away and hide yeah. <laughs> so I, sort of, or I can say it but then I don't really want anyone to ask me questions about yeah. it so I you know I'll gloss over it and move on and it's not that I'm not proud of what I'm doing I'm really proud of what mm. I'm doing um, I just, yeah, it's imposter syndrome. It is. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm interested in finding out how this all started because your background is you, you went to university, qualified in law, then raised raised four children. At what point did you think actually I'm going to start going back to university and studying? I was. Um, it was when my fourth child went to went to school, and I suddenly thought I'm going to have some time here. Um, and I, I thought about going back to work, but I'd taken all this time out of work that it was going to be quite difficult to get back in. Um, so I started writing a little blog and I was writing a blog about what it was like having four children at home. Um, and that was quite good fun. And it sort of released a level of creativity in me that I'd forgotten that mm -hmm. I had. Um, and that led to me doing a little OU course on um, creative writing. And from that, I then did an English degree with the OU um, and by that point, I'd moved on from just writing my blog and I was having to go at writing full-length novels. Um, and I just really enjoyed it. And I'd get to the end of the novel and i think, oh, well, that's quite good. It's not good enough. Put it away. Start again. And so I did that. I think I wrote six, um, just for the fun of right. writing a novel. And by the time, I think number six was Postcards. And I finished it and thought... That one actually isn't that bad <laughs> you know that one might might be the one um and so on on the back of that i then um started to think about trying to get a publisher and and doing all that stuff um slightly more seriously but it i hadn't written really since i was a little girl you know mm. you write stories when you're tiny um i think being a lawyer you're taught to think in a very precise way and it's kind of knocks the creativity out of you yeah. because whilst you, it's all about solving problems so there is a level of creativity it's not the, the way that you use language is very structured um, so I'd kind of forgotten all about that 
but it is astounding the number of lawyers who go on to be authors there's just really? yes yeah, so many people I meet used to be a lawyer so I think it must be something to do with the way that we used language in our work that you know once we stopped being lawyers we still got that training and it that we then so it's yeah. really interesting so the six books that you kind of started writing before yeah did you show those to people or did no. you keep to yourself <laughs> <laughs> I think my mum read what I read my very first one um, I talked the girls in my book group into reading mm-hmm. and they were very kind bless them and um, and it was quite I was terrified obviously and it was quite interesting to listen to them once they forgot that it was my book that we were discussing and we slipped into just talking about a book and I just sat back and listened and it was really interesting because they were saying well I like that character and I'm not sure she would have done that and it was as if suddenly they were talking about yeah, any any book not just not just a book that I had written and that made me think well okay so it's it's all right people have managed to keep this conversation going about this book that I've written for more than five minutes Mm. so hopefully you know there's something in there then the second one I decided that I would be brave and I blogged the second one and so I put it out a chapter at a time but only to quite a small group of people and then after that I just Mm. um and just kept practicing because I think it's like it's like anything. It's like painting a picture. The first picture you paint, you don't expect yeah. to hang in the royal exhibition. You know, it's it's you have to you have to learn your craft really. Yeah. And um, because I enjoy doing it so much, I didn't feel that oh, well, I've got eighty thousand words. I have to do something with them. Mm. I just I've got eighty thousand words, and they're okay. So let's you know do the next eighty thousand words. And now I'm a bit braver. My my family, the kids actually read my book. They're quite often my first readers. Um, and my mum and then it goes to the editor and then I get comments from the editor Um, so I'm still a bit cautious about who sees what early doors so how did you with Postcards from a Stranger that's the one that you self-published how was that process was that because you're stepping into the unknown territory completely and there's um, since since the invention of the Kindle there's been this huge um, breakout in people publishing themselves and it used to be um, it used to be called Vanity Press and it, it used to be books that weren't good enough to actually be picked up by publishers and that's all changed now because it's so easy to, to, to do it yourself and also you can then can keep control of your own creative process mm. choose your own cover all that kind of stuff so I was for ages I was dithering about whether to go and try and get an agent and follow the traditional route or whether I should do it myself and eventually I just thought this is so silly just decide one yeah. way or the other and so I decided I'd try my doing it myself and closed off all other thoughts about doing it the traditional way and then I just did courses mm-hmm. and so I did courses to learn how to the book was written but I needed to know how to get an editor how to uh, do a cover design how to upload it how to do some marketing how to do Facebook ads all those kinds of things I needed to learn mm-hmm. so I did courses to discover all that stuff and then bravely one day I just clicked the button and that was it out it went into the big bad world but you got a really good response yeah that. it was yes it was great my friends were really great and so people started to um to read it and then word of mouth yeah um and every time anybody said they'd enjoyed it I said oh could you just write a review yeah. because as soon as you've got reviews then people it, it, then it's got some credence and people will yeah. then take a risk on it and it wasn't expensive I think it was 199 or 99p or something so it wasn't a massive risk but once there were some reviews people felt a bit more I think that they were able to buy mm. and then after it had been out for about six weeks I got an email my family were all watching Game of Thrones I watched Game of Thrones and uh, I got this email and it was 
it was from a, an editor for a publishing company and I thought it was a joke. <laughs> and, oh, for goodness sake. And I'm sort of looking at this thinking, could it be a scam? Is it, you know, what, what is this? We're so disbelieving, aren't we? <laughs> Absolutely. Just could not believe that this was actually what it was. But it was an editor who had read it and um, and really liked you. And uh, it turns out that she was um, working for Amazon Publishing, which is the publishing arm of Amazon. And she works for Lake Union, which is the women's commercial fiction imprint. And from that they offered me a three book deal. So then I- amazing. It, it really dream is. come true yeah. stuff, absolute yeah. dream come true. And so they went from, you know, this little book that I'd just published myself to this just huge machine that I'm now part of, which is so exciting. Mm. And they're, they're, they are, they're a great publisher, but they've, they're very, very author centric. So I'm involved in all aspects of doing the, the book to the cover and, you know, doing the blurb and all those kinds of things. They involve me in everything. Um, which is fantastic. So it's a huge learning curve because I knew nothing apart from what I'd learned about self-publishing. Didn't yeah. know anything about traditional publishing at all. Um, so I've had to ask a lot of stupid questions and I've made a few mistakes. But, you know, I'm, I'm learning every day. It. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It, is. Yeah. it is. So at 50, 52? Yeah. At 52, you have found yourself now a whole dealing new with career. Amazon, <laughs> yeah. to meetings in London. Yeah. You know, where we live is quite a small town and we've both lived here for a long, a long yeah. time and it's the kind of place where people either stay all their life or they move away and then come back to have families. So that's why I call the podcast Out of the Bubble because to me it is, we do live in a little bubble. Oh, we bubble. really do, we really do. How was it stepping out of that and, and going to meetings in London with Amazon and going to the Ivy to discuss contracts and because you really it's, have... Yeah, I really have. Got out of your comfort zone. Yeah, and um, it's very exciting and absolutely terrifying mm. I think it helps that all the people I've met have been lovely um they're all women but they are all all really really lovely and they've been so supportive and so encouraging and you know I haven't ever felt that I can't ask the stupid question and I just you know I, I did do 15 years in the corporate world yeah. it's a long time ago but I did do that um so I can you know I can pretend yeah. <laughs> and so if I was really off my comfort zone I just pretended I knew what I was doing yeah. whilst until I had a better idea yeah. um, but it has been really exciting and for the the publicity for the new book I've got they've, they've put all kinds of things in place so I'm going to do some radio radio stuff and some uh, blog tour and all kinds of different pieces and each of those things makes me do something I've never done before and each of those things I think oh here we go again but then it, it it's fine, you yeah. know, because people are so supportive and they want you to do well and they want they want your book to do well and they want themselves to do well as a result of talking to you. You know, they don't want to do a terrible interview because yeah, what good is that? So it has been um, a massive learning curve, but just very very exciting. And I'm having fantastic. a ball. I really yeah. really enjoying myself because yeah, I still got the kids at home and I'm still well two yeah, of the kids that was at home. My next question: How do you juggle family life because you've got four kids? Yeah, they're, they're busy kids. They are. Yeah. How do you juggle? family life with sitting down and being disciplined to write it's really hard yeah, I bet it is. it's really hard when I was doing the degree and everything I, I was determined that I didn't this was what I was doing to stop myself from going mad because I was at home looking after the kids so I didn't want it to impinge on anybody else's time so I just did it when they were either at school or when they were you know when they weren't here that's when I was doing my work now there is more than I can fit within that time so I get it very early I, I find it's a lot easier when the house is quiet before it all kicks off um, I'm not much good in the evenings, so evenings are a bit of a write-off really 
and there's a lot of taxiing going on in the evenings mm. as I throw my children around. Yeah. <laughs> so evenings are a bit hopeless. So I try to get as much done as I can during the day. And if there's stuff that I need to do that ha- I haven't fitted into that, they're just having to learn that if the door's shut, it means I have, I'm on a mm. deadline and I've got to get it done. Yeah. Um, and just this last few days I've been away because I had to edit. I was doing the editing of the third book and I just can't do that I can't concentrate hard enough so I just took myself off and my husband is fantastic and he just leapt into the breach and he did everything mm-hmm. while I wasn't here um, and that just made life so much easier because I think if I weren't be, if the kids and, and John weren't so supportive I'm not sure I could make yeah. it all work because I'm not sure I could have done it if this had all happened to me 10 years earlier I don't know how we would have made that happen yeah. um, but my youngest is now 14 so he's he, he's fairly independent um so as long as I'm here when they get home from school for them to say that they've had a terrible day and they hate their chemistry teacher or whatever it is then you know it's that's that's all they really want before at that point so I just try and make sure that I'm always here at that point of the day and if I then slope off to do something for myself they're sloping off doing things for themselves any homework hopefully yes yes. in an (laughs) ideal world yeah (laughs) um so it's getting easier it is Mm. getting easier what time? So you get up early in the morning. What time do you get up to write? I get up about half past five, I right. think. Sometimes earlier, depending. But it's just so peaceful, and nobody else really gets up until sort of seven ish. Mm. So I can get quite a lot done. And now it's not it's not just the writing; it's everything else that goes with it. You know, it's all the trying to keep on top of social media yeah. and trying to do. I've got to write some blog pieces. Um, and I've got to write some, you know, other stuff. And it's just all, I've got still got a lot of learning to do mm. um, because I'm not very technically able and I'm having to teach myself. Yeah. So I need to be, those are morning tasks as well because by the time it gets to the afternoon, I can't remember what I've just... Yeah. And you know how it is, you know, we're in our 50s, so my brain isn't as sharp as it once yeah. was and I forget yeah. things and I have to do things over and over for it to stick. Mm. But, you yeah, know, it's great. It's yeah. an adventure. It's fantastic. Yeah, I love it. Have you found going into writing in your 50s do you, is that quite a strong community of older women yes like, I would imagine yeah. that people it's quite common for people to yeah. go into a different career at that age yeah. writing. there's lots and lots of there's I've discovered that there's a massive community of authors who are all lovely mm. um, and there are some of it some who've been there forever and just have so much experience and I can just ask them questions mm. and then there are lots of people like me who are just learning and then lots of people that I met when I was doing courses on how to write and those kinds of courses who haven't yet had the same kind of success but are still we all still know the same amount of stuff so yeah. it's really nice to to talk to them and a lot of them are just sort of waiting for their their moment which I'm sure will come mm-hmm. but it's yeah it's really really supportive and and um I find that I mean you not not just women actually there's, there's some great blokes that I've mm-hmm. met too um we're all writing different kinds of things I've got a group of friends that I meet at Salt's Mill not so far from here and some of them are writing things that I've never really even read let alone tried to write yeah. it's just a genre that I you know don't know anything about but it's really interesting listening to how they adapt the industry around what they're writing in comparison to to what I'm writing because I write what I read really mm. so it's it's even though I, I'm new to the business I know I know about women's fiction because I've been reading women's fiction yeah. for years um but some of them write you know really epic fantasy and things like yeah. that I've never really read anything of at all no, so it's fascinating yeah. to listen to to them talk about about and crime I'm a big crime reader um but I don't write crime mm. but I'd love to yeah 
so I, I love listening to yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love listening to crime writers talking about what they, how they do things because uh, that's really really interesting I think how do you get your inspiration for each book have you kind of got pages and pages of ideas ready to roll or that they come to you kind of in flashes of inspiration I've got it, it I've got various ideas some of which will turn into books and, and somewhere sometimes I have a great idea and then the next day it's not such a great idea mm. um one day I was walking up to the cinema and between you know in, in about less than half a mile I'd had an idea and had the whole thing delivered to me in the amount of time it took me to walk to the cinema which is bonkers mm. writing it down really quickly before the lights went down um, but most of the time it starts off with a, a, a question for example postcards is about an, a mother who is not with her children as they grow up and that came about from a, a really challenging day with my four children and I was thinking I could just leave I could just take my passport and go to Lewes Bradford and hop on a plane and who would know and who, you know they just mm. wouldn't miss me and which oh, isn't true um, and I was thinking well what kind of woman would do that because I then thought well I've got to make the tea and I've got to take them to ballet and I've got mm. to, and so taught myself out of this mad yeah. plan but I thought well some people just don't talk themselves out and do actually go um so an idea like that will um come to me and then I'll think of you know what kind of characters might be involved in that kind of situation and, and gradually it it kind of grows the second book is all about um being a favourite child and if you've got a favourite child how that impacts on them as their, as adults mm. um, well, that's interesting because, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I thought you know if, yeah, watching the dynamics between my four who aren't the four in, in the book but watching the dynamics between them I was thinking well if you know if I treat if I favour one of them A they spot it straight mm. away and B they tease each other about it yeah. and I think oh, when they're adults will they say oh yeah but you Seth you were the favourite because you were the littlest or you were the favourite because you were the eldest yeah. or you know and um, and so that made me think then about you know whether it was nature or nurture that made you the good child or the bad child mm, and all this so if those kind of you have a little idea and then gradually it kind of morphs into a bigger story and if I'm lucky it morphs into an entire book so have your friends now become kind of slightly wary of you when you sat around thinking, is she going to put me in a book? Are you spotting people's traits more? I hope they're not. But every so often, you know, I'll write something and then something will happen. And I've said on more than one occasion, I just need to tell you that I've written a story, I've already written it, and it's so like what you just told me, but I've already, I have already written it. Because I'd hate, I, everything comes from my imagination and my life experience, and I really don't put people I know in mm. my books I've, I've never done that mm. um but you know my life experience is what people tell me so you know there's a crossover there, there is point. a crossover yeah. yeah so if I think you know I've got it's more likely to be positive things about people than negative things but if you know if I've got friends who are I've got lots of friends for example with um parents with Alzheimer's mm. and uh, in my first book the the protagonist has a father with Alzheimer's now I fortunately don't mm. but you know, I've listened to lots of people talk about how difficult that is to balance that and and balance their own lives and all those kinds of things. And so obviously those kinds of things are going to filter into my books because yeah. it's it's life. It's yeah, what's it's happening right. to everybody who are yeah. our age. And, yeah. you know, I, my books and the protagonists are around our age and so they, they face the same sort of issues as, as the people who are around me. Mm. How much research do you do with so a subject like Alzheimer's? How far do you take your research? Do you go to visit people that know what good. they're talking about? Or do you... I tend, it tends to be all online. Right. Um, so I will think I know something about it and then I'll look it up and check. And more 
I know some writers adore doing their research, mm. but I just adore the writing bit. Yeah. So, so I, I write what I think will be right, and then I ask somebody. So the, the book I'm editing at the moment, um, one of the characters is, um, is a musician in an orchestra, and I, my great childhood friend's mum... Um, was married to a musician in an orchestra so I've sent the manuscript off to her to say could you just yeah, make sure on. that I haven't gone completely off piste because I don't know what it's like to be married to a musician yeah. um, but you know I've imagined it and you know if she comes back and says Imogen that just would never have happened then obviously I'll change it mm. but most of the time I have a forceps birth in something if I have a friend who's a midwife so I sent her the little bit with the birth and said is that what it's like mm. <laughs> <laughs> just just to just to check so yeah. it, it tends to be that kind of thing and with locations I, I like to try and go to the places where I'm writing traveling, don't you? so that's a good so excuse any excuse <laughs> any excuse to get to go to see a new so yeah so I, I like to have at least been but if I haven't been Google Maps is amazing yeah. you know you can really get an idea and you can get an idea of the kinds of um you know a bar or if you're trying to find a bar to write a scene in then I'll google bars in this place mm. and then have a look and see which one fits what I've got in my mind's eye mm. so because it's much I find it much easier to to write if I can visualize where I'm supposed to be yeah um which is great if it's somewhere you know but if it's not then I then I'll I'll find sometimes I pick I picked a stately home that's actually in the south of England and, and put it in Northumberland recently. Um, so, you know, they yeah. don't know it's their stately home, but I needed to be able to visualise it and so that's where, that's yeah. that's how I did that. How much notice, how much kind of time do you get between saying, right, okay, you've got a three book deal, how much time have you had per book to Not get? Not long. <laughs> a lot of pressure. Um, yeah, quite a lot of pressure. Postcards obviously was already written, um, but we had to re-edit it. Right. Um, the thing about Claire was a draft and so when they said what else have you got I sent them that so we worked on that quite quickly so they come out quite quickly back to back because mm. um, that's now top of the Kindle yeah, chart it so is. it's not even out till the first December, no it? it's, it's in a Kindle promotion so yeah. Yeah, it's ha- yeah that's done really well so but yeah they've both been at the top of the charts mm. within two months of each other, months of each other which yeah. never happens but that's just because it, it's all just been condensed into one very small period mm. and then I think the third one will be out next summer and I'm just in the middle of doing the edits for that um so I think and then after that maybe I don't know I don't know I don't know I haven't got another contract yet mm. so who knows um but it seems to be between six and six months and a year right. that most people um keep generating stories Which sounds like a long time but I guess when you actually got to sit down and write something with that length yeah. of words it's not that long it's not that long if you haven't got an idea yeah I think if you've got an idea so I've got an idea for the one I want to write next so that's okay I've, yeah. I've, I have that idea but after that I I just I don't know we'll have to wait and see what happens after that because <laughs> I really enjoyed Postcards from Australia thank you how do you deal with critique because obviously you put it out there and you we all know in any line of work you can't please everybody and some people will say that it's not for them and that's yeah. fine but how do you deal with that do you find oh, it difficult really difficult mm. um I think it was hard enough when it was my friends that and you know you are they they said they like it are they just being polite all that so I'm beyond that now because mm. you know it, it was picked up so it, I've got got that and that validation really um, but I see the reviews going up on Amazon and on Goodreads and it's like looking at them through, you know, sort of my fingers, like, trying mm. to work out if I dare look. And I tend to look rather than actually read the reviews. I tend to look at the averages. So, um, if I've if I've got mainly four and five stars, then that's great. If I've got a few that are low that lower than that, then I take a deep breath and I have a look. Mm. 
And sometimes they're just, I bought this book and it wasn't for me. Yeah. And that's fine because I do that too. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it it's fine. It's just best if I don't read them, mm. I think. It's just easier. And uh, yeah, if I got lots and lots of, of reviews that weren't that great, then obviously there's something wrong with the book. Um, but fortunately up till now, um, I've got mainly positive reviews. Mm. Um, I don't read the good ones either. Yeah. I don't read it. I just don't but, read them. Um, I think it's just, it's just better for my for my um, my mental health. Yeah. <laughs> not to not yeah. to know what people say. Yeah. And bizarrely, we, this is this is very odd, and uh, this is imposter syndrome again. But I'm much happier when I'm not at the top of the charts. Mm. You know, I find it. I find the pressure of everybody expecting something wonderful from me to be. Really difficult. Right. I'd much prefer that to be a little bit further down the chart. Mm. I still want to be selling and I want to be yeah, successful, but I'm happier being quiet, quietly doing that yeah. than having to make a noise and say, "Look, look, look." Yeah. Um, it's like wanting to be a backing singer and not being the. That's exactly singer. it. That's it. Yeah, I'm happy to be in the choir, but I don't want yeah. to be the soloist. And, and and sometimes you know I've been thrust into the soloist position more than I ever have in my life before, mm. which is it's so exciting. I'm so grateful. Mm. I, you know, it, it is proper dream come true stuff. But it's not. I'm not naturally comfortable there. It's yeah. not my comfort zone at all. So I'm having to learn how what to. What tips would do you that. give to to do that? To step out of your comfort zone and how you're dealing with it. What would you advise women to do? Because it is. I think it's hard in your midlife when you're setting your ways. Well, you. Yeah, I mean, you did exactly it's, the same yeah, thing. And, and I think you just have to be brave. You know, we're a long time dead. If you mm. don't do it, I really can't bear the idea of regretting anything. Yeah. And you. Know, the, what have I got to lose? If it doesn't work, it really doesn't matter mm. if it hasn't worked because, you know, I'm, there's nothing riding on it yeah. um, apart from, you know, a bit of pride. So I think you just have to, you know, you just have to seize the day. It's a bit of a cliche, but it's so mm. true. Yeah, it is. And you've got an opportunity, then make the most of it. And even if you haven't got an opportunity, create yourself an opportunity. You know, if there's something that you'd like to have a go at doing, have a go yeah. how wrong can it go you know there's there's so much support for all well particularly for writing but i'm sure for all kinds of things mm. um and the internet is an incredible place and you can find you can find your tribe you can find help you can find advice you just have to just try yeah. and just ignore the naysayers and the, the people who make it more difficult for you because they, they're they're always there the mood hoovers they're mm. always there in every walk of life yeah. they were the same it was the same when I was a lawyer it's the same as a mum mm. you know every, every major thing you do in your life there's always somebody isn't there who's saying oh, yeah. do it that way oh no I'm not sure oh no so I just try and ignore them I don't I mean, think it's quite liberating to do it in, in midlife. You do have that. Yeah. You are more confident, I, Absolutely. I think, than that I wouldn't have been doing what I was doing in my 20s because I was too shy and too scared yeah. of life. Yeah. Whereas now it's it's that, I'm not, I don't have that fear of failing. No. And the judgment that comes Absolutely. with it. And I think that's a That's an age thing, thing, isn't it? Is, yeah. yeah. And for all I say, I don't like reviews and I'm not looking at them. I don't actually care. Yeah. You know, I it, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, obviously it hurts sometimes if people say nasty things, but nobody yeah. really has. Mm. Um, but actually, it's not, you know, I'm old enough and wise enough now, I think, to know you can't please all the people yeah. all the time. And as long as, you know, if you don't like my book, you're probably not the person that I was intending to read it. Mm. And and that's fine because, you know, there are lots and lots of books out there and we all find the books that we like yeah. to read. Um, but I, as you say, in my 20s and 30s, I wouldn't have thought like that I'd have thought would you, would you mean it like me would have done, uh, yeah, it would have yeah. been enough to make me not want to do it it yeah. would have made me enough to retreat which I think a lot of people would, would be able to relate to yeah I yeah. think yeah because it's a it's a it's liberating I think mm. 
getting to the into your 50s where it suddenly it really doesn't matter and you know that it doesn't matter because in your 40s you think I don't care what anybody else thinks but now you think well nobody actually is interested in me anyway mm. you know it's so I can I'm, nobody's looking yeah. I, you know, I'm happy to go and do what I like because nobody cares mm. really and that's takes a long time to learn that <laughs> yes yeah do you still write the children's books as well because i've forgotten you, you yeah you write children's books yeah i wrote um i wrote uh, there are three of them um my daughter's wrote them you know, it's, that's the imposter syndrome because i that's where i started but i had a pseudonym right yeah because i was too scared okay. to do it by myself that's so, what made me think about yeah thinking about that yeah yeah so lucinda fox she's called and her books are still there there's only the three and mm. i haven't plans at the moment to write any more right. because i'm too busy doing yeah. the Imogen clark stuff um but yeah she she did me a great service actually because she allowed me to um to have a go without I could just have walked away if mm. nobody bought it or everybody hated hated the books mm. um I could have just sneaked away from Lucinda Fox and abandoned her completely as it turns out she sells every day people yeah. buy Lucinda books every day and um and and that's you know it's lovely and it helps very much with um, me being brave enough to then go and actually put the, what I really wanted to do, which was to write women's commercial fiction, out in my own name. Mm. I think if I hadn't experimented with Lucinda first, I, I'm not saying I wouldn't have got there, because I probably would, longer. but it would have taken longer. Yeah. yeah. So what's next? Obviously you've got the three book deal. Which yes. Is, so when's the third book out? Next summer, right, hopefully. Okay. Um, so next I want another book deal. Yes, so that's, yeah. you know, that's the next thing. Um, because I've not done this before, I'm not quite sure how this happens. Right. But, you know, I I have the ideas. So I think I just need to talk to the publisher and uh, and convince them that they're desperate to publish me again. Um, and hopefully they will be. And then I just need to keep learning, really, and keep mm. writing. And um, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. And if it all stopped tomorrow... No one can take it away from me. Yeah, that's you know, exactly how I feel. I've had yeah. this fantastic, it's been the best part of a year, really, of um, this ex- incredible journey that I've been on. Um, and if that's what happened when I was 51 and nothing ever happens after that, mm. you know, and I get to 53 and it's all stopped, then that's fine. Mm. You know, because that it's just been so exciting. But hopefully it isn't. And hopefully it's just the start. Yeah. And, um, and I can keep writing books that people want to read. Um, and then... You know, hopefully I'll be able to keep going I think it's amazing I mean look how just in like a year and a half look how far you've come and what you've achieved I think it's brilliant thank you so I've got final three questions yes um, what's your favourite song that motivates you well it's not exactly a song it's a piece of music but um, Handel's Messiah mm. um, the Hallelujah Chorus so when I was a little girl I sang in a choir and we sang Messiah all the time and the first time I sang it I think I was 14 and I'd only rehearsed it in a in a church hall with a with a piano and we got there for the concert and there was an orchestra and I'd never sung with an orchestra before mm. and I thought oh blimey but that's okay because I was 14 I was very confident in my singing and it was all fine and we started to um they started to play the hallelujah chorus and this noise that filled this church where we were singing it was incredible and the the orchestra and the voices and of course it's such an inspiring piece anyway mm. And I sang to my, you know, sang my little heart out. And um, that moment has never left me. And so if ever I'm feeling a bit, you know, like it's all just a bit difficult, I'll play the Hallelujah Chorus and I'll play it really loud. Mm. And then it's it's so inspiring because it just gets, it builds and builds and builds and builds to this magnificent crescendo. 
and yeah it's it's something I'll it will always be with me I think I really it's interesting because obviously you were in the choir then when you were younger and it's now something that you've kind of rekindled your love for isn't it because yeah. you're in the choir again yes I am yeah I wonder if that's quite common in, in midlife to yeah. kind of return to, to your yeah. love because I really loved drama when I was 16, 17, yes. 18 and now I'm kind of rekindling parts of that yeah you, you lose yourself a little bit don't you, you do and I think you first of all you lose yourself in your career and then you lose yourself in your family and um I joke often that I spend 20 years in my kitchen mm. But I really did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I uh, spent 20 years cooking and cleaning and cleaning shoes mm. and ferrying children. And I don't, you know, I don't resent that or regret it. Or no. what, but it was a lot of time where there wasn't any time for me. Mm. And so, you know, once there was a little bit more time and life got a little bit um, less pressure, the children were a little bit bigger, um, then you can go back and find those things mm. that, that you remember that you loved. And mm. singing is one of those things for me. Mm. And I learned how to make quilts. That's been really good fun as well. And, you know, just doing courses and just absorbing new information um, is it, what I guess, what keeps you going, I think. Yeah. yeah. What's your most inspiring book? Ah, do you well, have time to read? <laughs> uh, yes, I do have time to read. I read a lot because reading is part of writing, yeah. really. And so I read because I'm interested in what else is being published. I read because I need to see how people who write with more experience than me structure. Um, I read because I love to read. Um, and I also read quite a lot of nonfiction mm. because I'm always wanting to learn. And um, over Christmas this year, I read a book that someone had recommended to me, which is called Playing Big by Tara Moore. And it's all about um, imposter syndrome, really. Yeah. It's about how we inadvertently in the way that we express ourselves and the way that we speak and write we inadvertently put ourselves down mm. and we don't we don't push ourselves forward in the way that we are capable of doing because something is holding us back and I, having read that I mean I'm still obviously struggling with trying to, to push yeah it is a work in progress it most definitely wants to be listed oh well this is a bit a bit um a bit obvious for a for a writer but I have to say JK Rowling mm. and obviously she's inspirational as a writer and um, because she's of a phenomenal success yeah. but that's not really what inspires me about it it's her resilience it's yes. she has you know, she you know she had all those rejections and yeah. she just kept going and she had such a difficult uh, time in her life and she just kept going and all those haters and all those trolls and all that stuff and mm. she just kept going Thank you for, for talking to us today. It's been oh, really welcome. interesting and inspiring, and I hope that it's you know it sheds some inspiration to other women of our age group that might be thinking of rekindling their love for something else that they might be able to take into their lives. Absolutely, it's never too late. No, it's not. No. If you'd like to follow more about Imogen, you can find her at imogenclark.com, or you can find her on Twitter at Imogen Clark, or Facebook and Instagram Imogen Clark at Home. And I look forward to reading the thing about. Claire when it's out in December. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Out of the Bubble podcast. I'll be back in a fortnight. In the meantime, if you'd like to subscribe, you can find the podcast on anchor.fm or Apple Podcasts. And I would really appreciate any reviews being left. That would be fantastic. Next guest will be former athlete and Olympic champion Jenny Stout. Some might remember Jenny as Rebel in the Gladiators TV programme. We talk about her career journey, how she's tackling midlife, embracing her grey hair, finding love in midlife and a new turn in her career as a model. In the meantime, keep being fabulous.